0: Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Prognotes. Notes. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to Pitfalls by Leprous. If this is your first time listening to our show, welcome. We like to talk about progressive rock music, a fun, exciting, unique subgenre of rock music. In each episode, we dedicate our time to talk about albums from all over the world. And if you've been listening for a while but never have checked out becoming a supporter of the show or listen to our Prog Rock Interview podcast called Spotlight or joined our Discord. You can find all of this at linktree.com slash prognotes, all the things we got going on. So lastly, we always want to say thank you to our patrons for helping us continue to create these episodes. I want to give a special shout out to one of our patrons, Vera, for being such an awesome patron, along with providing some administrative tasks for the show. It is much appreciated. So thank you for being a great patron. And be sure to stick around until the end of the episode to know which album we will be listening to next. Pitfalls is the sixth studio album by the Norwegian prog rock band Leprous, released October 25th, 2019. The album contains about 55 minutes of music across nine tracks. And Leprous is a new band that we're introducing to the show, but not to Spotlight. In fact, the lead singer Einar Solberg joined us on episode three of Spotlight, so you can hear straight from him on their newest album uh, at the time of this release, *Affilion*. Um, other musicians in Leprous include the founding member Tor Odmund Serki. I think that's how you pronounce his last name, playing guitars. Robin Agnadal on guitars, Simon Daniel Lindstad Bruvén on bass and board. Colstad on drums. There are also some additional musicians that are credited on this record. Raphael Weinroth-Brown playing cello and Chris Baum on violin. And Chris Baum has actually drew a uh, a familiar name because he is a member of Bent Knee, which we covered their record Land Animal back on episode 32. It's a great record. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Really, and in fact, they they toured together. So Leprous and Bentany have toured together in the past. So I'm pretty sure that's probably the connection there. But shout out to episode 32, Land Animal, if you haven't checked that record out, and our episode on that. Would highly recommend you doing so. So this is the second album with this lineup after picking up Robin, um, the other guitar player, uh, for Melina in 2017. So second record of this lineup. I, and they've had... Several different lineups uh coming in their history. They've had several several members, but um
1: haven't they? Re- like the only two that have remained are the, the guitarist and and the vocalist, right? Yeah,
0: Einar, like, and, Einar Tor Odmund and Tor Oddmund and Tor are the only okay. members. I'm pretty sure Baird Board, sorry, has been. I think he joined the band for the congregation, which was, I believe, 2015. So he this is his third okay. record, I believe, okay. with the band. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure there's only two of them that have been mm-hmm. that have stuck around for for, yeah. th- for this long. Huh. And
1: kind of so... reminds me of, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I know,
0: I know it. I'm like, wow, you and me, you and me. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, <laughs> but uh, so, Drew, tell us um, some critical reception of this record. Uh, of course, this is a new direction for the band. So, uh, what was the mm-hmm. reception like in the public?
1: yeah uh so Prague archives gave it a 3.91 out of five stars but that's only from like 232 ratings so this was not a super well-known album compared to some of the other like prog giants and Prague only 231
0: people have heard this record yeah
1: 232
0: well, 232 apparently. sorry well we're the or at the very the, least yeah. have have
1: <laughs> voted on it on particularly specifically um uh, right prog archives uh, on Sputnik Music, they gave it a 3.8 out of 5, and that was from 459 users. So um, I, I think it was ultimately pr- pretty well received. I, I say that with a lot of hesitation because you'll see in a second that there, there are some people who were not happy with the musical change, uh-huh. the, the change in direction there. So, so one user said, the music has become a vehicle just for the vocals of R. Solberg implying that previous records you know focused more on the instrumental compositions but um there were some other people one someone else had said they gave it a five out of five they said this is leprous and it's more delicate and minimalistic i can see how one might say that they are more accessible with this album but i would argue the opposite just as much there is a subtlety and finesse to the delivery on this work that leprous hasn't shown as of yet till now I can't understand how this is accessible from a mainstream standpoint, because even if the songs can be catchy at times, there's no way this music would find its place on a top 100 list. Mm. The subtlety of vocals, of the drumming ghost notes, of the light textures of layers of sounds is like a Radiohead album built for extreme metal fans. Square peg into a round hole or something like that. This kind of music isn't easily digested by the common listener. So I I think it was somewhat divisive you know some some people did sure. have some complaints and i saw several people being like yeah this is literally just a platform for einar like mm. the rest of the music has fallen by the wayside um i i really loved there was a review on louder sound um by fraser Lurie, and this is really great i'll just read a, a little bit from him yeah when Leprous launched the publicity campaign for sixth album pitfalls band leader einar solberg wasn't shy about what was coming he said It's the album no one is expecting from Leprous. When you think you know where it's headed, you'll realize you're wrong. They're treading a path that's borne fruit for others, from Opeth to Ulver, Catatonia, and Anathema. The fan of modern progressive music is able to enjoy a growing army of acts whose focus has shifted over the years towards something less rigid. They're bands who have drifted away from their metallic roots, taking a chance on more interesting sonics. They're bands who have picked up ideas and sounds from Radiohead and Massive Attack and Depeche Mode and Hans Zimmer. And they're bands for whom the spirit of adventure is very much alive. With Pitfalls, the difference is that Leprous has ventured sorry, Lepris have ventured further than almost anyone. It's an album that often doesn't feel like a rock album at all. Mm. An album where guitar frequently takes a back seat to ambience and atmosphere. An album that starts slowly and gently, almost imperceptibly, and gathers momentum and volume. An album where Solberg's extraordinary voice is very much front and center. It's an operatic tour de force, full of tension and ferment, Sitting at the center of a very complicated vocal Venn diagram, sharing space with fellow dr- uh, dramatists Matt Bellamy, Anthony Hagarty, Justin Hawkins, and James Blake.
0: Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. I love uh, I love something that he said in that in that where he said that it's a, the spirit of adventure.
1: Whoa, one hundred percent. That yeah. is
0: absolutely accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Which is
1: what prog rock was trying to do. They were trying to throw stuff at the wall and see if it stuck. And even if it didn't. Some of them really like that stuff anyways. I mean, you know, and I I definitely agree. I think that this is still an album that, yeah, the vocals are 100% front and center. 100%. Sure. And that is, that is different than the origins of progressive rock and even progressive metal. Like mm-hmm. both prog rock and prog metal. Like you have long instrumental sections. And you have them here and there on this album, right? But... But the walk away <laughs> from this record right. is not like, yeah, there were a lot of really great jam sections with all of the the instrument. No, like the vocals are 100% the thing that you take away from this record. And honestly, credit where credit's due, rightfully so, his, his voice is absolutely incredible. Oh, his yeah. voice is insane. Oh, yeah. It's a wonderful voice. It's very
0: mm-hmm. iconic. It's very emotional. That's a great word. That's a great word because I think some people would kind of feel this tension of uh, – because I've seen some people that where his voice, it's kind of like early early Getty stuff where the voice can be a little div- – just because of his tonality. it's very throaty. And so I think the tonality can be kind of divisive, but it is certainly iconic. It's certainly like as yeah. soon as you hear well, it, it's, it's – yeah, that's that's leprous. Yeah, it's operatic, at least on this record. It's mm-hmm. operatic, right? as opposed to
1: previous records and Dustin, I think you have more to say about that. But anyways, point is this was a turning point for the group. Um, and I personally like it and you'll see why once Dustin gets into more of the history, on um, like what they were before this, but
0: yeah, totally. And in, in the, in the spirit of adventure, right? You know, we've been talking sure, about this, sure. the, in the spirit of adventure within the album's runtime, possibly, um but I also would argue and say that there is a spirit of adventure about this band. And so I think for for yeah. some of uh, uh, leprous fans, if you're not familiar with leprous, you th- this is not the the sound of leprous. This is not the um the iconic sound of leprous, this kind of like trade-off between sort of the ambience and sort of the mix of strings and guitars and the operatic vocals and stuff like that. That wasn't always. Mm Lepros, in fact, Uh, if you are familiar with Lepros, you're probably wondering why in the world we picked this record to do out of all of the records to do on the show. And which is totally a valid question, because if you look at some of the previous work as as a somebody who is maybe historically a progressive rock fan or maybe even a progressive metal fan and that whole deal, uh, it would make sense that prog notes would do something that's not this record. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would make sense for mm-hmm. us to maybe go back a few years or so. And so, but, so it, because of that, I had that thought. I was like, you know, maybe somebody's going to ask that question or think why in the world are you guys are choosing this record? And so, um, I'd like to state my case for that, uh, essentially of why we picked this record, not only because we we enjoy it, uh, and, uh, and we'll we'll go ahead and say that off the bat, that we enjoyed this record, but uh, we could take a quick tour through their previous records leading up to this. And that's what's fascinating to me. And so, um, you know, the band was founded in 2001. Uh, they had many unstable lineups, but ultimately they released their first album in 2009 called Tall Poppy Syndrome, um, which if you are a fan of Opeth, Gojira Mastodon, Between the Buried and Me, uh, Edge of Insanity, Bellicore, uh, which, by the way, we've also interviewed um, interviewed them on Spotlight. I would recommend that album to you. It's it goes it's hard. It goes hard. Um, their next album, Bilateral, which came out in 2011, is probably the next heaviest. People can argue that. That would be my personal, humble opinion. Stylistically, I also believe it's pretty similar to Tall Poppy Syndrome. But their third album, Cole, in 2013, is also close in heaviness and and the thing that they also did as well that was early on and something that we didn't see on this record is that Einar also includes growls and a lot of harsh vocals and uh, which I know you've listened to Tall Poppy Syndrome I believe right was that the record that you've heard you listened to Tall and Poppy Cole. Syndrome and Cole yeah and so uh, of course you we all, we all know the
1: congregation but it was a while ago yeah,
0: yeah. so yeah. Uh, if if you've been listening to the show for any if you've listened to Any several episodes, you've probably figured out that Drew is not a fan of harsh vocals. (laughs) So, and so that was, (laughs) and honestly, I'm not either. Like, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Is that it's it's doesn't really doesn't doesn't really do it for me. But it has a lot more growls and prog metal elements. Um, But then continuing on into the congregation, which I believe was 2015, 14, something like that, kind of reminds me of a uh, a Norwegian Mars Volta in a way. Uh, They have kind of some Haken vibes in it but uh it also reminds me of this record i don't know if you've listened to this but it reminds me of this record called language by the contortionist have you heard this record before
1: oh you've shown me some of stuff by by the band i don't know if i've ever heard the record though. i
0: think i i think i've shown you the rediscovered yes, you did. Was it was it was the rediscovered version which they did yes like it this was super acoustic kind of thing highly That's recommend right. checking that out yeah
1: you did show me that yeah, yes yeah.
0: they're a really cool band they're a cool band um i would i would check them out the american an american band too uh, but it kind of reminds the congregation. Kind of reminds me of that record sometimes. Uh, their next record, Melina, in 2017, really highlights the versatility. Um, and this is where I start seeing a little bit more technical detail, a little bit more range of emotion and avenues that they explored, which is pretty impressive. But the biggest difference that I see between the congregation and Melina. And again, there's kind of these slow stair step changes as mm-hmm. yeah. in, in their in their catalog. But the main difference that I see with the congregation and Melina is how energy is channeled. And so the congregation has a lot of energy in it, but but it's it ruptures kind of throughout the record and it creates almost this like cycle of explosion. It's like we're gonna start here and then we're gonna go boom. Like it's gonna blow up in your face and we're gonna, mm-hmm. you know. Melina has more of this intelligent way that they channel energy throughout their songs. Like, it's a little bit more nuanced. Um, and so, uh, also, the other thing to note, too, is that uh, Jens Bogren uh, mixed Bilateral, Cole, the Congregation, and Molina, um, which I believe should tell you something because there was a change for Pitfalls. Uh, if you're not familiar with who Jens Bogren is, uh, he had... His hands on albums for Opeth, The Ocean, Haken, Symphony X, Catatonia, and Slave. Like this guy specializes in the kind of like almost the Swedish uh, black metal, prog metal, that, that sort of thing. Um, if, if you're going to be a prog metal band or a black metal band, harsh vocals, those types of things, having this guy would be it. It, it would be like the it guy for this type of, this, this, this genre. But for Pitfalls, the band chose a different mixing engineer which to me told me something, that this is more of an intentional effort. They chose Adam Noble, and uh, and they said that they were going to move into a different direction. In fact, I have a quote from Einar saying it's not only by far the biggest production and musical musical departure we've done, but it is also the most personal and honest. So I think yep, this is the reason why I wanted us to talk about pitfalls is because of this in, intentional effort. And I say all that to say, I say all that to say, I believe, honestly... After listening to their their records and listening to all of their records kind of in order, they have one of the most alluring discographies of probably any progressive rock band in the 2000s, to me. Listening to their music, they have these extreme, what were we going to say? I was just going to say, what do you mean by
1: alluring? Are you talking about the fact that it changes so much? Or are you talking about that each record is a
0: banger, but in its own respect? Not that. Um, I don't think that it's alluring (laughs) from the angle of my personal enjoyment, I think. Okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, so it's not that much, but it is certainly in... Fascinating. It is fascinating in the evolution, like how modest the the evolutions are throughout their discography um, is fascinating to me. Like, it really is. Like, how they ended up from 2009 to 2019, it's a 10-year gap between Tall Poppy Syndrome that is what observe the train is about. Don't force it. The change is is,
1: is gradual. It's not supposed to be radical. I'm just kidding, by the way. I know. But wouldn't that be it's funny if it personal. was?
0: That would be hilarious. But so so <laughs> that's what I would say. I would argue that this is the largest stylistic jump that they've made to date. Um, but you could still hear hints, yeah, about where like, the train was headed. Yes, 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 yes. You do, 100%. no, one no, hundred percent. No pun intended. I didn't mean that. No, Sorry. I know. <laughs> no, yeah. I, you know. I but, see. It's an but, apt metaphor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the less is more approach, kind of on Molina, which is something that I really like. Molina. Yeah. The the B side of the record is is a little choppy for me, but I love the A side of the oh, record. Yeah. And so, but that, as opposed to something like the craziness of Cold. Right, right, was something that I could hear coming. Like you could kind of hear it, but the fact that the record did as well as it did in this and for this release is, is beyond me. I mean, it really is. Well, and and it's it
1: was still divisive, I think. But I think it's also because um, again, it's still it it does not seem like selling out. This is a very nuanced record. It is we not tend just to like, like
0: very nuanced records,
1: Drew. We do. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, it's 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 not like I don't know. I don't. I don't mean to throw them under the bus because I, I have tremendous respect for for Genesis in general and like the longevity of their career. But like, right. I don't know. You're doing stuff like you know, Supper's Ready, right? In '72. Yep. yep that is a drastic shift from something like that to invisible touch.
0: Oh yeah. Or
1: abacab. Like that is, I can understand why you would use the term, I mean, as cynical and as just, as it sounds, just sell out. But it does sound like that. Like with something like that. And like we're bands. And I can understand where some people really didn't like the massive stylistic change of, of Rush because they were so heavy on the synthesizers when you enter into signals.
0: Yes, right? Like right. yes,
1: you have Synthesizers kind of complementing a lot of their their instrumentation. Yeah, gradually and you have right. a little bit of it here and there in, Yeah, kind of like the analog pictures. kid But then yeah, you get to analog kid or chemistry and you're like, whoa, what happened to my band and with this record though I think it's different than those examples yes. because it's still, to me, super progressive. There is a much heavier emphasis on the vocals, but the vocals aren't—they're pleasant, but like you said, they're they're like I had said, they're iconic and they're charismatic, they're operatic. It's not stuff that you would expect to hear on top forty. Whereas Phil Collins. Right, God. Again, I'm throwing shade at like Phil Collins and Genesis. I still love that <laughs> band. I do, and I even like some of the Phil Collins era stuff. Like, yeah, I, I still think that's great. But I'm just saying, it was a very different, you know, change in sound, and it was very commercial. I don't. The word commercial does not come to mind when listening to Pitfalls. Yeah,
0: no, so, I would. I would agree. It, it's, I would agree. It's arti- it
1: is super artistic. It is layered with a lot of, a lot of really intense. Raw emotion. You know yeah. what I mean? And sometimes yeah. with, with, with a, you know, a change in sound that's kind of solid or commercial, it, it does seem kind of surface level. I don't think listening to this record, any of this sounds surface level. Let's put it that way. This still sounds very authentic. And uh-huh. even before with their earlier sound, that was an authentic sound. And that was like their statement was was very big and bold, lots of guitars, lots of crunchy guitars, very aggressive. And you've got, like you said, the growls of Yep. Einar. yep. Also, testament to Einar, The fact that you can do that and then do something very soft and dude, sweet I, and subtle like this. Here, oh, dude, I, I will say dude, this. I will say dude. this.
0: His range, his range of, and I, I'll, oh, I'll talk a little insane. bit more about this a little bit later, but his range of of emotion and the range of dynamics that this guy has is incredible. And the fact that we had this conversation um, with our interview with Vola, how, how they kind of almost use this, this like fifth gear, right. As uh, the growls are not necessarily in a style. They're not a stylistic choice. They are more of like a fifth gear of like, well, we need to go there when we need to go that fast, that hard, I can yeah. go there and hit it there. And the fact that they didn't do that, they they decided not to go to that level is really interesting to me because you're having to almost subdue yourself, which is really difficult for a musician, I think. I think especially for drummers, you, know. you get to these certain areas where like, oh, my gosh, you're feeling it and you just you get ramped up. You're like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And they've been there before. And yes, they do go hard. In certain records, in certain parts of the I songs, it, but...
1: I, I have to disagree. I think it is stylistic, because you're saying as if... No, I am saying that it is stylistic. I, I know, R, okay. Einar is, as
0: opposed to... Because you can still
1: reach fifth gear without growling. I'm thinking yes. of the end of Foreigner. Yeah, the very end, yeah. It's a fight before myself! You know, and he's really going hard. But it's not a growl. It's yep. a very intense, almost scream yeah right it's a it's a massive shout it's this big belt out at the end that's still very uh uh aggressive and somewhat gruff but it's not a growl it is not this yes Rrr. yeah it's not a low <laughs> no. kind of deep. yeah. it's, it's a not he's, singing. he's singing yeah yeah it's still singing and sustaining note but yep. with a lot of intensity
0: yep belting it you know exactly as opposed to some other other bands which their primary vocal output is that like is, are right. the growling, the harsh are vocal the thing, right? And so that's, that's what I'm talking out. about with Einar is that he can use that as like a fifth gear for the music. And the fact that they didn't go there right. for this record is impressive to me because they're they're staying within certain parameters. They're, they've right. kind of, you know, so anyway, um, I like that. Also, what's the, you know, people are kind of suggesting that this could be like a possible sellout that they're going to. Why is it that people are associating synthesizers with selling out? Oh, b- well, b- I
1: think that, you know, a lot of modern music is is digitized, is synthesized, and right. there's just a, a lack of, you know, acoustic, authentic type of, of recording that there used to be, like when you're listening to this Top 40 stuff, or especially, I think particularly back in the day. I think, honestly, the landscape's changed a little bit and modern music. Not yeah. That I, I, I keep up with it that much, but I'm just thinking of stuff in, like, you know, early two thousands all the way to like mid twenty tens. I think yep. that was just like this big kind of fifteen year stretch of oh, it, like it super produced, like nothing. Yeah. everything's auto tuned. Every drum drum is a drum machine. There's nothing really authentic about a lot of the top forty hits. I think that's changed a bit. I think recently we've Absolutely. seen some more popular acts. Emerge that are using more acoustic sounds, but anyways, um, (laughs) a bit of a tangent.
0: Yeah, no, but I mean, it's it's a great. I think it's a great question because there's this. I think it's a misnomer that people are like, as soon as they hear a band that starts rock and then they start incorporating more electronic stuff or synthesizers into their music, they're like, oh, they're just selling out. I can't tell how many times I've heard that. You heard this, Mm -hmm. like people saying, making this argument or something. Also, Mm -hmm. why in the world? Can vocals not be up front and it not be prog? Like, why can't we highlight vocals and it not be prog? I honestly do believe that there is a... Yeah, maybe not there is, but maybe there was or there's also a misconception of, like, if the vocals are up front, that does not mean that it can't be progressive. We've had a lot of great progressive rock vocalists.
1: Totally, and that's what I was actually going... That was something I had written down on my notes. Oh, I wanted real? to kind of bring up this topic. Oh, that's particularly. great. Particularly, can 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 Prague rock and vocal centric music
0: peacefully coexist? Yeah, what's up with that? Like, <laughs> why why does ha- why does Prague have to be so <laughs> instrumentally focused when these people are like sitting these I, labels I on because, it? Because
1: because at least with with the the at least the the older the older generation that grew up with like the early you know in its nascency, right the the beginnings of progressive rock, it was more instrumentally focused. Yeah. And, and, you know, you had vocalists that didn't have, I don't know, Broadway voices. You know what I mean? Like Uh Peter Gabriel has a great voice, but it's not as smooth or as languid as like, I don't know, pick a favorite Broadway or, or pop star, right? Even of the same, at the same day, right? So, um, you know, you, you had these, these these really long instrumental sections and that's what people kind of came to associate prog rock with and then as it kind of changed and moved and was still still clung to a lot of the elements that made it what it was like you had more complex and more challenging material and you had these experimental sounds and you had these really weird lyrics and still interesting concepts or whatever but you had you know vocalists that had more accessible voices we'll put it that way accessible quote unquote um you know more pleasant (laughs) to hear um people were just kind of well that's not what a lot of the early bands did i mean you know they weren't all vocal sure or the the songs aren't as short you know uh back they weren't uh, as short back in the day they were longer they had more thematic stuff but um I still think it's prog rock even if it doesn't tick every single box that the early pioneers did,
0: you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I
1: mean and this this record's a great example of yeah. that. But I really um, do think
0: now that it's just when it, when we're using that term which you know, I'm getting t- kind of tired of of the people labeling all the things and making the, and consistently making this argument of like is well is it or is it not? It's it's just sure, kind of like sure. a, a, take it within a vacuum of just the band's discography. Absolutely sure. it is. Like and and yeah. honestly That's what people have been doing for a very long time. The Beatles did it. Their their first record does not sound like their sixth record. You know, even even with bands like Coldplay, "Parachutes" does not sound like "Milo Ziloto" or whatever that album was called. You know, it just it's it's supposed to change. Yeah, Paramore. Yeah, Yeah, they've they've kind of changed a little. You know, but Tall Poppy Syndrome does not sound like Pitfalls. Right. Rush's first record does not sound like Clockwork Angels. It's right, just th- right. there's stuff changes over time and right. it's supposed to change, you know, with as the tools change, you could use the tools to express yourself in newer and different ways. And and I love that for this record particularly, that they did make it a little bit more personal and, and the lyrics were a little bit more personal for Einar right. and and writing about some things that were pretty vulnerable. Or it, yeah, it I think to be vulnerable. that's.
1: Yeah, I remember him kind of talking about that. Whereas, like on previous stuff, they had done more kind of proggy lyrics of kind of metaphorical, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And I didn't unfortunately really delve that much into their previous lyrics, but you know, with this record, he had mentioned he, he had said this is it was pretty pretty raw. I mean, you know, there, there there really wasn't any masking of this through like a, a big story or a different character or a lot of analogies or is no. I mean, you know, you, you've got. Images,
0: yeah. right, right, yep. yep.
1: But a lot of that, I think, it was was very like this is straight from my head type of deal. Like yeah. these are images straight from my head, and I'm not trying to orchestrate or construct this weave this very elaborate story or, or really complex things, you know, um, plot or anything. No, this is just you know these these are bits of my life that are pretty where I'm pretty vulnerable, where I'm pretty raw, yeah, and. Uh, yeah it, it is yeah it's a, it's a it's a dark record. I mean, crud, there's a song called I Lose Hope.
0: Mhm. But then you have um, Alleviate.
1: Then you have Alleviate um which is which is a little more uplifting.
0: Yep. Um yep. By the but, way, also I need to make a mention. You, you mentioned something actually this just hit me a minute ago where you were saying that the this was uh, this album was kind of like Einar's Front and se- he's like front and center in this, and the rest of the band are taking like sort of a back seat. Like, this was sort of his well, record, what, type. Some, some complaints, S- some of the complaints people, of the record. Some, yeah, Einar yeah. himself said that the congregation was more of a solo record than Pitfalls ever is, huh? Yeah, interesting. That's that's Einar talking, so it, it's not that. Right. And I would, I would disagree with the statement that it is as well because there are several different things that are going on within the music. Outside of just Diner, within the music, that are incredible. Just take the line for "I Lose Hope." Take take that. Take the the drums well, and, will, and the sky it, is red.
1: This is a record. This is a record that it is kind of like whoa. Like it is missing some pretty typical. I'll say typical uh-huh. progressive rock elements. Yeah. Where like wh- so, where is like the really trebly bass? Like right. that is not on this record. That's and in fact, here. bass in general. You mentioned "I lose hope." Great baseline, but a fair chunk of the record I don't hear. Ooh, that's a great baseline, or ooh, man, that bass player is really getting into it. And you yeah. do on a lot of prog rock records, typically, right? Yep. You've got yep. Geddy Lee, and you know you've got uh, not John a Wow, uh, Chris Squire. Wow, um, you've got Chris Squire, and you've got these great bass players in and these amazing bass lines, very catchy and kind of expanding outside the role that bass used to be in typical rock and roll with the progressive rock movement. So you kind of expect to hear that on a lot of, you know, progressive rock music. On this record, not all, but a fair chunk of it is kind of devoid of that, or at the very least, it's not as prominent as as it is in a lot of other progressive rock music. And so that's kind of missing. So that's a little confusing. And yeah, yeah, you're also kind of missing like the, the super long songs. You've got one kind of really long song that's over 10 minutes on here but so it is kind of weird but then you do have the progressive rock elements where you're like yeah that drumming is crazy like Like that is not easy that's insane how are you doing that and and not just on i i'm kind of foreshadowing here what we'll talk about soon not just on by my throne but on a lot of the songs you're just like that's really interesting you're doing Mm -hmm. some cool stuff some of the fills he does in foreigner are really interesting too yeah yeah um that really showcase kind of a virtuosic skill. And so you've got that kind of stuff in there as well as kind of the symphonic element, which we've talked about on stuff like Days of Future Past and yeah. a lot of other records where you're employing a lot of classical music and you see that with Yes as well, right? Kant and Brahms and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, so you're seeing a lot of a lot of elements that are from the early days of progressive rock But then you're also seeing kind of an absence of others. So, yeah, you know, the the whole discussion of is it like you were talking about? Is it progressive rock or isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's it is for lepros. It it, it is. It is for lepros. It is for lepros. And there's a lot of there are a lot of very clear, I think, connections to early progressive
0: rock. Yeah.
1: That are within the elements of this
0: music. Right. So, but I do think that there is a really healthy integration of new ideas that that yeah. they that they achieved for instruments like the strings, um, which the band has, you know, they've they've kind of dabbled with that on, on a few previous releases. But pitfalls, it's like it's very much an integrated oh, part 100%. of the band's sound. Right. Just take the cello yeah. solo from Distant Bells. Like, right, man. Oh, That's dude. so good. It's so dude. good. Or or the comparison of of I, I made the comparison. When I first heard it. I remember I remember thinking this. I was like at the bottom, the very beginning of at the bottom, sort of sounds like Tangerine Dream for like a couple of moments. has like sort of the mm-hmm. sort of those synthesizers,, yeah. um, which I don't think I would ever say that about any other Lepus record I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. that sounds like Tangerine Dream Des. No, there, there's no way. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, would, oh. I would never have said that.
1: Also, this band is a master master of dynamics
0: yeah I knew you're about to say that
1: I knew it they are a master of dynamics and I applaud them for that because when you can do it just right that's when you get those moments of oh man that music just hit me oh man that really got me yeah it's because they're building it so well and I noticed that on Pitfalls, and I noticed that on Aphelion. Their next Castaway record. Castaway
0: Angels, man.
1: Don't talk to me about yeah, Castaway I know. Angels. know. It's so good. I know. It's so good. That song. The next cuts record me to after Pitfalls. It's if you so haven't heard of Aphelion, fantastic. Yeah, record. check out a track called Castaway Angels on
0: Aphelion. And also, That's I mean, amazing. you can listen to Einar talk about that about that record on, on spotlight. So again, oh, go, go check that right, out. Because yeah. Rogan got man. to interview him and, and all of the things I wish, we, <laughs> I wish great. we could have got, it's so good Sweet song, but like it, oh, even man. just the, so talk about just the vocals again uh, for a second with the dynamics and stuff like that. Like he's got power, like on the verses of the sky is red. He's got range, like on, uh, alleviate. He can be hmm. melancholic and sort of whisper, like, like on, on observe the train. He can be aggressive. Right. Like on the end of Foreigner or even in parts of Foreigner, yep. right? Um, yeah. And so I, I, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb. Can I do that, Drew?
1: I'll, I'll, I'll allow, allow that. It.
0: Okay. I'm going to go out on the limb and say that <laughs> it, at least for me and the music that I've heard, this is probably one of the best vocal performances that I've heard on a – progressive rock quote-unquote or even just music that i listened to in a a while in a while like it it, yeah i can't think of any other records that i've heard um that were this captivating from the vocals also really catchy like i i think a lot Mm -hmm. of these vocals are extremely catchy Um, they're
1: just hard to replicate when you try to sing along with it absolutely it's (laughs) It's so difficult to sing (laughs) this guy's
0: stuff yeah yeah um and um yeah, it's phenomenal, and so yes. I I love it. But also not not just vocally, but the drums with boards dynamics, they amaze me as yes. well. Yes, it's moving from
1: simplicity to technicality. Uh, that's another thing I was gonna say. Right? It's a master of dynamics, but also the drummer on the the drums on this record in particular really stand out. Oh me. yeah,
0: it moves from soft to like a forward moving sort of rock yes. that's needed for songs like Foreigner. Dude. Right, you need that kind of st- that that really like let's keep the let's keep it moving um and here's the thing they and i saw this when i was watching some like playthrough videos from board and i was i was seeing some playthrough videos like the i lose hope playthrough bass video they make the technicality that they can exhibit look effortless yeah and and that's what that's what i think is so great about this album is that there are some very technical moments in it how they're uh placing chord structures and how they're Um, Playing drums and time signatures and stuff like that that they do, but they make it sound so effortless that it doesn't come off as like this super choppy kind of like oh yeah, that sounds progressive. They just they make it so fluid.
1: It's 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 like uh, like I I love that.
0: It's like watching Gene Kelly dance. Oh my gosh! And not Elaine.
1: You know what I mean? No, not Elaine. This album is the
0: opposite of Elaine dancing from Seinfeld. We're big Seinfeld (laughs) fans. Because that, that was, was the most forced that was such reference such a forced ever. reference. <laughs> what? I don't know. That was just the first thing that came to my mind. It's
1: more like a full body dry heave set the music.
0: Uh, <laughs> they were they were seeming, I'm sorry, I'm going to continue going on this. They were seemingly able to disassemble their sound, okay, mm-hmm. and have every instrument sort of run its course But then, when they were needed, they come back to create this cohesive unit and sound. Yeah, like it just comes back together. And um, the other thing too is that that I find so interesting is that there are really only two songs in this record that I would think that could possibly be from like a different record, like "The Sky Is Red" and "Foreigner." I could be like, yeah, that could have been on Melina.
1: Yeah, yeah, that could have been.
0: But every other record,
1: interestingly, every every other song. Two tracks are kind of on the lower end of the songs that I really like on this record. Oh, really? I, don't, I don't dislike them. But I like, love the
0: sky is red. Um,
1: I, but I, I think the other songs on the record, the the first what is it, seven, seven, yeah. yeah, are just I I really enjoy them. But they all they all like you said they all have kind of a, a softer.
0: At Less the bottom, at the bottom has a pretty. It's pretty aggressive in certain moments. It just kind of switches between the chorus and the verse. Kind so you of, know.
1: but the the verses are very delicate.
0: Yes, like I love the change though. Of time, yeah. you know I love the change though. How he goes, to, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it a high.
1: It's a high voice. It's a high voice, but it's not very aggressive. Yeah. And like the very delicate synthesizers in the background.
0: Yeah, it's great. Make it feel more subdued. So, maybe. so think about that. You get two out of the out of the nine. So 77, roughly, uh, I don't know, math, 77% of the record is, are, are songs that could really only find its place on this album. That's bold and risky. I love it.
1: I agree. Yeah, it is. It is very different because, you know, like you said, you get kind of the gradual change with Melina, but there is a pretty notable change even between that and this. So like Molina is yeah. very different from Cole. Yes. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Two records before, right? Yep. Melina's very different than that. But you still hear a lot of pretty intense aggressive guitars. Like that's still a pretty prominent feature mm. of that record. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean it Absolutely. is. Like there's less growling, but that's still a pretty prominent feature. And then you get to this and you're like, Whoa, there's like there's guitar here, but it's not up in front and center. Right. And so it is it is pretty it is pretty bold to put out this record and like like Einar had said, "It's it's like it's the album no one expected from Leprous
0: You know, we were talking about uh, uh like top forty and stuff like that, and and this is kind of delving into the subject of sort of the the newer music that I'm starting to see now. Sometimes I'll just go onto Spotify and I'll start playing like top forty, um, just to see like wh- like what are we what are we doing <laughs> right now? <laughs> like where are we at? Where are we at right now? And uh, and there's you know there's there's some of the stuff where I'm like, eh, okay. Um, but there's other stuff that I that I hear as well where I'm like, wow, that's that's really amazing. And I know we've maybe have mentioned his name on the show before, but I, I think at some point we might end up talking about him on the show a little bit more. But Jacob Collier and yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. his his placement in the current musical landscape right now, sure, yeah and, yeah, and the great how how much of an influence that he's had, I think is really changing the direction of where things are going. The other thing that I'm noticing as well is that we've we've kind of had this i think in the, maybe in the 2010s or so you had people like pink and kelly clarkson people who had very yeah. large vocals they were they were very bombastic they had very uh they had great chest voices they were just able to just yeah. go for it right Yeah. and then it's starting to change now where now we're seeing people like billy eilish and olivia rodrigo right, and some of these right. people were just like, <laughs> it's like everything's very just, breathy. everything's very it's breathy and very floaty airy you know you're Floaty, start, yeah. you're starting to see this kind of shift of let's subdue it and make it and 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 all, although it is quite depressing in, in certain ways uh, yeah, and some yeah. of their lyrics are, are kind of depressing um but you're starting to see this this shift and i i got thinking i was like man i could you imagine i can actually picture this and i was like honestly i would like to hear that but could you imagine something like this music And having Billie Eilish singing something like Distant Bells. Mm. Could you picture that? Or having maybe Olivia Rodrigo sing Observe the Train. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, you know what? This stuff could be done by top 40 people. Like this music could absolutely. Olivia Rodrigo could have sang Observe the Train. And I think it would have been like a top 40 hit. I really do believe that. Uh, Let me think
1: about that for a
0: second. Because... It would be really interesting to me. Like, yeah. I think it would be new. I could it, see I, that? I don't know no, if people I could like it
1: because because the melody. No, because the melody is very is very catchy. Right. Right. Don't the, no, 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 to feel yeah, and you could have these ooze and ahs totally in the background. That. They would do their
0: own version yeah. of it, but the core
1: components. I could actually see that. I I see what you're saying.
0: Yeah. That'd be super cool if that happened or like having somebody like Lizzie McAlpine. And I wouldn't, it's not like I'm asking somebody else to, it would be better if she saying no, like Einar crushes it. And so he's amazing and I love it. So I, also I, I
1: love this guy's voice. It's so good. Real quick before we head into our next section, I, I have to say, I think it's hilarious because this was not the intention or the plan that we're doing a very vocal centric album right after Dixie drags, which was
0: all instrumental. Well, think it about this. Think about this. We did mm-hmm. freaking metropolis part two. We did scenes from a memory. And after wow. scenes from memory, we did an instrumental album. And that was refreshing to me. That was just refreshing <laughs> to my soul. Cause God knows I could, after looking through all those lyrics and all the freaking like 3am stream of consciousness that I had, um, <laughs> of like what do the vocals mean? And all these sound effects. I was, I was glad to do whatever. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: I and I I didn't go too far into the the lyrics
1: on Pitfalls. I think his performance really the the lyrics in and of themselves are okay. They're okay. I think his emotional just just the fervor that he puts into his performance, yeah, makes these lyrics much more meaningful. It is it is like because they're personal and because yeah, it's the delivery, there are times where like, I don't know, if you read something as opposed to hearing it, like someone say it or read it, it's two different parts of the brain, right? Right. So it's it, the way you interpret it and all that. So it's like, you know, when you, you see a, a movie and like the way that actor delivers that line is really great, it would be very different. You might have, have those exact same words in your brain when you're reading a script of it mm. and it doesn't and you're like that's a really cheesy line or that's mm. a really dumb line or whatever and then you hear the actor say it or whatever and you're like oh my gosh yeah I really love that part. like sincerity think, or
0: sarcasm or yeah you know, deceit. and so like, there's all kinds of different ways that can be delivered
1: yeah and so I, I i i don't think the lyrics are bad i'm not saying that i'm just saying that i think they're on their own there's they're solid I, I don't think that like, he's one of the greatest lyricists. I, no offense to him I, I, <laughs> I think I think they're solid they're good but I will say the way he delivers them mm-hmm. is just so he brings them to life for sure He brings them to there is a yes he breathes life into the lyrics that he has written which is mm-hmm. really great and it's like oh obviously every every lyricist or that's also the vocalist does that I don't think so not always I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily a given you would hope for that but it doesn't always happen. With this, I think he definitely really connects with the lyrics that he had written. Like we had said, they're very raw and very personal for him. And you can tell within that. And I love that. That's what art is supposed to be at some point, is how you react to that kind of sincerity. That kind of, you know.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. Be able to connect with it.
1: Vulnerability. Yeah, all of that. So I think that's very human. Yeah. And that humanness is part of art. And that's, you know, very evident on this record is, is his his humanness, all that. So anyways, yeah.
0: Do you have anything else to add before we head into No, why don't you why don't you tell me uh some of your favorite moments on on this record. You know, we've been we've been kinda of talking about what we like and what we dislike a little bit, mm, but yeah. you wanna you wanna tell me what maybe it's
1: maybe it's time for a little uh for a little delve it or shelve it. <laughs>
0: it. Ow. Whoa. Whoa, no. Bow. Oh man.
1: Bow to the powers of Bowser. Bow to the Powers of Bowser. <laughs> no one gets it. Uh, nope. And they shouldn't. No, it's no, a very old a joke. Dumb. Between a me and dumb Destin. joke. Dumb
0: joke. Um anyway. Wow. Welcome to okay. Delve it or Shelve It, where we delve into moments that we enjoy yep. and shelve moments that we don't enjoy. I'm Dustin. Yeah. And and whoa. And <laughs> i'm gonna reintroduce Uh, myself for this we i'm drew
1: what we do is hi we (laughs) (laughs) we do to delve it and we will show those moments in the show but we don't play the clip of, because why would you want to listen to the thing you don't want to listen to? If you wow. want to listen to it, well, if, if it's something we shelve, we don't want to delve into it, so we don't show it on the show. But if you want to go listen to it, you can go listen to it. I'm not telling you what you can and can't do. I'll tell you the part that I don't like, and then you can listen to it and be like, I, I totally disagree oh my God. with Destin. Oh my I God. totally disagree with Drew. Holy crap. So, we're going to tell you the
0: moment, but we're not going to show it, as far as the show at moment. I don't know if people can pick this up. Uh, Can they pick up on that? The fact that, like, this is a joke? I don't know i don't know either i think either. a lot of my close friends still have a lot of difficulty with that with me yeah. like yeah they just i know can't tell. i know which is why i felt oh! like i needed the the oh! to state that i just felt like i needed to state Shoot. the fact that i know i know this, a, I know. this I, is yeah. a this is a big problem that drew needs to work yeah. on yeah. um the emotional awareness of how people are perceiving his thing. <laughs> Yeah, i'm
1: totally unaware how are you perceiving this
0: yeah we had a conversation with one of our listeners where he was like yeah they thought that drew was drunk on like every episode <laughs> see now you're gonna break the illusion I, was I know gonna
1: like no wait no he
0: wasn't no never never no, on a single uh, episode
1: never on a single episode have i ever been drunk i've been tired sometimes tired I, yeah I, maybe
0: but some of these records <laughs> are exhausting listen some
1: of these records are, are just are
0: exhausting <laughs> become a patron to help us get through this oh, i love that yeah
1: you
0: don't know you don't know what we go through <laughs> listening to music oh god we're not and victims. talking about it we're not victims. okay we're victims of some of this music but Pond hearts? Yeah, anyway. Moving on oh! moving on. Go listen to that album. Shoot. Okay. Go we're, the to only, that we're the only okay. two people that don't like the record, Drew. We're the only two. We are the only two. Everyone like else Pondhearts. loves this record. It's so funny. Anyway, same with Back, to, Park. back to anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, coming back to pitfalls. Uh, we don't know each other's Delvet moments, so this would be fun. I, I no, this would be fun. I love so I love two it Delvet, goes. two Shelvet. I think we
1: should do maybe a compliment sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so do the Shelvet in the middle. Yes. Oh, I think I want to end on a good note.
0: Okay, I want that's to great, end on a good note. It's a great. I, that's a great idea. I'm
1: saying you want to end I'm on saying, a good prog note. Yeah, I want to end on a positive prog
0: note. Positive prog note. note. Okay, here we go. Those so here's your first. You'll go first. My here, first
1: Delvet. Delvet is moment. is by my throne. Ooh. It's r- roughly from one twenty two to to two. Here we one go. minute twenty two seconds. To two minutes. Here we go. Oh, guys. Yep. Yeah. Listen to the hi-hat.
0: Yep. The stacks. And listen to the oohs and ons. Oh! Yep, yep. Oh, man.
1: That flam on the snare.
0: Yep. <coughs> hey. This is such a groove, hey. man. It
1: is. And that is... That's genius. Yeah, okay. It's genius. The groove of the drums here is abs- is nothing short of magnetic. It's, it's I mean, so it has simple, this so No one can listen to this and not kind of like gr- bob their head. Like there's no way I think it's physically Im- dude, it's physically impossible, man. <laughs> no, I mean seriously, that in and of itself is enough to draw me in, but oh, I love man. how it combines with these really delicate strings in the background right and they're 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 just there to add kind of this this extra layer Uh they're not you know and then the odd rhythm of the low end synthesizer
0: it's continuing the rhythm of guitar from the very beginning right yep i need to find out when they play that live because i i had an opportunity to see lepros live i missed it unfortunately but i want to know if he's actually using a sub pedal and playing that or if they're being played on a on a keyboard do you know great question I mean I and know. that that kind of goes back to
1: what I was talking about earlier where it's like okay even if like a bassist were playing this like it doesn't give off like a bass like it's it's a synthy vibe yeah, it's right, a very right? Synthy so vibe. it just anyways I I also love and I I use the word angelic background vocals here and that is right. something I had written in my notes is that this album as a whole has a very celestial quality to it Yes it does right Yeah it's great I mean so anyways it, anyways all of this for this celestial particular double groove. moment
0: yeah. That's what All of was. this just
1: blends together so well to put you in a sort of trance almost. Yes. But
0: dude, that's so yeah. good. That like I said, so the
1: hi-hat yep. work.
0: Yep. And the ghost and then, notes of the snare that he's playing. Oh gosh. Yes, and also
1: when the when the uh when the snare just first comes in. Yep. yep. That that he hits
0: and yeah. the kick. Yep. The Here's, kick
1: and the snare coming in just
0: like
1: Oh, that little flam on mm-hmm. the, on the snare,
0: but you, you hear you hear the kick drum that comes right after that. So it's it's the flam, yes. then the kick. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Simple, but just perfection, just sheer oh, perfection of it, just. It really is. It's. A I group. mean, every
1: time I hear that part of the song, it just it guts me it, in the mm-hmm. best way, in a positive way. It's just yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, phenomenal. That's my Delvin. I have phenomenal. raved about it. Your okay. Your first Delvin. Yep. All right. Here is my first delvet moment this is from distant bells i love i love this Opposite of kind of what the groove was. This is very kind of choppy, right? There's yes. there's this sort of like 100%. there's kinetic energy happening here. Yeah. It's kind of it's almost unnerving now. Yes. Right? Not fluid. But this it cello is, is yeah. just beautiful. And I love this. I'm including this section. This right here. Yes. Kind of unnerving synthesizer. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. So there's like what I love about this there's this blend of like this quick, choppy, kinetic type of bouncing almost. Mm-hmm. i like, there's, Yes. There's this Bounce. Yeah, absolutely. Was, like, this, this freneticism. Yes, yes. yes but this comp with the combination of this just very beautifully pleasant cello. And yeah. And totally. I was, man, I mean, I mean, it's so good. It's so good to me. And the build, the way they built into that, and then the drums, oh, it kind of makes sense at this point, where you're like, okay, there was almost like this... You were kind of hearing where the drums were, and the drums were sort of leading it, and then it goes into that section, you're like, oh, I know what's going on now. Like, he's still continuing yeah. that groove, but then you have the little the guitar-picking thing that's happening. I'm like, just a f- a phenomenal. Anyway, yeah. that's four minutes and two seconds to uh, four minutes and 51 seconds into the song. And so I just love... The integration of the cello. I love I love the solo, but I also yeah. love what Board is doing and how, again, the bounciness combined with the just pleasant um cello that's happening. And, and I did want to note I did want to just say this as well. We've been talking a lot about the vocals and stuff, but like the that is that is a great instrumental section on this album. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. And so Anyway, that's my first Delvet moment. Love
1: it. That, that was something I had mentioned earlier, is that this album is not devoid no. of instrumental Absolutely sections. Not. It Absolutely is not. not. It's just what I had said earlier is that the takeaway. Yep. When you walk away from this record, the thing you're going to remember most, I think, yeah. I would expect, yeah, is the vocals. Yeah. But but yes, there are some amazing instrumental sections. Like I said earlier, the drums really stick out to me um in this record. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's some of the phenomenal. Other- so. Classical components like that cello.
0: Anyways. Great song oh, yeah. too. To build the the build of distant bells is kind of like the build of Castaway Angels. Yes. I don't think that it's done as yes. well as Castaway Angels. I still I think agree. it's done great, and it's 100%. a phenomenal dynamic build up over the yes. course over the yes. course of the entire song, and yes. that is very cinematic in in yes in ways. Uh, which yep. is, I think you mentioned somebody in a review mentioning Hans Zimmer. I was like, that's interesting. I've never made yes. that connection before, but I, I could certainly see with the combination of the integration of strings into the music, how there are a uh, landmark component of of this record yeah. are those strings. But secondly, the, um, uh, the the just the integration of like l- slow buildups over yeah. time to where they reach this peak. Is so It's so satisfying when you get to that point of distant bells. Man, it's so good. Mm-hmm. By the way, Raphael, uh, the guy who plays uh, cello on this record, um, he had this video, and I'm going to mention this just because I know a lot of people on this show are Stephen Wilson fans, but he did a cello cover. Somebody on our Discord channel showed this to me. I think it was one of our administrators, uh, or moderators, rather, um, showed me this cover of him playing a Stephen Wilson song. I'm trying to remember which one it was, Go look it up because this guy's cello playing is just masterful and and it's it's gorgeous. So anyway, that's my first Delvet moment. What's your Shelvin sure. moment? What is something you don't mm-hmm. like or don't enjoy or wouldn't One that prefer? I, so this, this
1: was actually hard. This was hard to do because I really like this record. There are very few moments where I'm like, okay, that needs to go. Um, the, but I will say this, this was tough because there are elements I like about it. Yeah. But – the sky is red from basically 8.45 to the end, right? Minutes and 45 seconds to the end. Mm. I really like this kind of like 11.8 time signature yep. they've got going on there. And the energy is great. But the reason I say shelve it is because it, it goes on too long. It's like two full minutes of the exact same thing. And by the end, I feel it dragging. Yeah, and, and again, I, I actually like a lot of the elements here, like this ominous choir in the background. It gives a very cinematic feeling. Yep. There are these aggressive guitars, the bombastic drum crashes. It gives it like an Armageddon feeling. Like this is the the big battle between heaven and earth. Armageddon like feeling. That's, that's great. So and that's like great, and that's really cool. I like that, but it's just it becomes played out from a, a length like of of play. Right. It's, it, it's, it is just too long for me. It's like, I I get what you're doing here and you've done it for two full minutes. and I, I don't need that. You could have done it for several measures less and I still would have gotten the same feeling. And honestly, I probably would have felt a little bit more impacted by it because I
0: like, this shouldn't feel like a big old
1: trance.
0: Was it, was it and the, by the riff? End, because I'm thinking of something like Eclipse, where it, like it's certainly layers. Like They continually add things on top of it. All well, the they're adding the new end. lyrics, too. And they're adding layers.
1: I don't think that this really adds that much. Yeah. It is this... i bong, 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 ah, ah, ah. and like, that's cool. Again, I really like it. Yeah. But like, you could have shortened that, cut it almost in half. Uh-huh. Or maybe a little over that. But like... Doesn't need to be as long as it is. And I still would have felt the chills
0: of Armageddon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, anyways, that's my shelve it. Okay. My, so I guess I should do my shelve it moment now, right? You should. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You should. All right. My shelve it moment is, um, it, it's going to be, I, again, I, I don't necessarily have a section. It's not a section, but I do believe that the weakest song on the record is Foreigner in my yes. personal opinion. And so that would, that would be, it, it took me the longest for me to get into that song. Um, because it did remind me of sort of like a, uh, like a stadium fight song, which I know it is like, it's so it's so yes. is, um, that's not personally, it's not really my thing, but what made up for it and the end was, uh, a lot of the, the crazy drum fills, to be honest with you as, well yeah, as the you very like end stuff in the middle, the very end yeah. of the song, the very end of the song where Einar goes to that, where he goes, that's a fight. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that is chilling. Like just yeah, absolutely chilling belt at and at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's great, but I think the, I don't know. I think it's the melody. I think it's really the melody, the vocal melody of the chorus and stuff like that was was not as grabbing as uh some of the yes. uh, some of the other songs, I think. I, I don't yeah. even think that there's cool. anything instrumentally that I dislike about it, to be honest with you. It, mm-hmm. The guitar riff is kind of cool. Yeah. Like it's that that's pretty dope. Um it's pretty I love it, it cool. actually, but I think it's I think it's that um mm-hmm. as as I digest mm-hmm through that just here in real time. Um, I think yeah. that's what it is. So I would, I would shelve some of the melodies of foreigners vocals. Yes. But anyway, yeah, that's my shelve yeah. moment. So no, I get it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have to agree yeah. on a lot of that. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you do. Otherwise I was not going to like you anyway. Yeah. Um, shoot. Sure. Uh, <laughs> second shelve it moment for Drew. Do you want me to just play mm. it? Sure. Yeah. This is also from, you, your
1: first one was distant bells. My second one is distant bells, and this is five forty one to about six forty two. Mm. Oh my gosh! Here dude. we go. This part oh, kills go. me. It's the climax here.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Dude. Yep.
1: Yeah. Even just this. His voice floating upwards. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> oh man. Is uh-huh. Oh, and yes, in the background instruments. Yeah, the bass and guitar and drums. Yeah. So good. Oh. Here we go. Man. The springs, it's lifting everything up.
0: This section, too. Oh,
1: right, here we go. Oh. <laughs> Out the All right, so okay, I I have my little little excerpts here. uh Man. writing here, this section is absolutely thrilling and chilling oh, at the yeah. same time. It's a roller coaster. First off, the build up. Okay, like there's this, uh, like I said, unnerving kind of chaotic energy emanating from the quick frenetic guitar strikes in the background, accompanied by these like very ominous violins that like just saturate you in suspense. And then Einar's voice is still floating upwards right before the climax, and he does that. Mm. It's, it's floating, but it's not peaceful. Mm. It is, it's like his delivery reflects this like sense of pain. There is a sense of pressure that needs to be released, and then it does. This drum roll perfectly leads into this crescendo, and I Einar's vo- voice, I mean, you just heard it. It's so intense and passionate, and the drums get so, again, bombastic, just large and big the strings in the background just they just lift everything yep. everything gets so much higher because of the strings in the background and the guitar and the bass at the same time are like this big juxtaposition they're keeping everything grounded yeah by keeping this kind of chugging along of this yeah. you know uh anyways, it just adds that rawness to it and the background voices coming in it sounds like the choir like this oh oh Love, I love that. Even that melody.
0: Even that melody oh, it's is catchy. Brilliant.
1: It is. It's, it's catchy yep. and, and it's these things that you kind of bob your head to and you can really get into it. Just to me, it highlights this sense of legacy. It's just one last vehement cry mm. from a final breath. And it's the lyric, I've been around all these years and I fell to the ground yet again. That just gives such a, it's just a sense of poignancy. Mm. And, Wow, oh, man, it kills
0: me every time. The other thing to note, too, is that like that comes after like four minutes
1: of, of, a, very very, delicate, of a
0: very delicate, very build delicate up. buildup up. Yes. Yep. And so like that's what makes it that much more right. satisfying. It's so good, man. That's my second Delvet. All right. Your it. second and final
1: Delvet. All right. My
0: second and final Delvet, which will actually go into our, our next section. I guess you could say okay. something that we would like to discuss. This is uh, By My Throne we had the Um, same
1: songs
0: I know we did you're actually right yeah I don't even know if these were my favorite songs either maybe I don't know By My Throne is certainly in the top three for me Um, but either way here is my uh, Delvet moment number two just the very end all the way to the very end of the song yeah yeah what what Uh, in the world i can't imagine why you would pick that as a drummer i don't know i have no idea why would you yeah i have absolutely Uh, it it is honestly beyond me to be baffling, unbelievable um but the drums i i I, of course of course and in fact i'm going to talk a little bit more about that because i have i have some some things to say about this song and how it was structured um he did but a lot of homework i did, did a, lot a lot of, of, of. homework on buy my throne if if this uh, this whole episode could have been buy my throne with the amount of information and things yeah. that i dived into but i love this moment because the song uh, which starts in an odd time signature 1716 shifts between 1716 and 44 effortlessly and it's really hard to pick up on what's happening but the way that he plays and the way that board plays throughout the sort of the chorus is in this very driving boon scott students cats stunts. he's sort of right. driving it in that way and then yeah. he pulls the rug out from you at the very end of the song to go what the heck and you're just yeah. listening to this in awe yeah. of what is going on yeah. on top of so it's again this is kind of my two moments that i've included with this is that the vocals Had this, the vocals are very much sort of like, "Ah, ah," like there's this sort of elongated, kind of wavy flowing on top of the ridiculous, chaotic
1: feeling of the
0: drums, which is very similar to like what I was talking about with Distant Bells, where the cello is doing that while the drums were sort of kind of going a little chaotic there and it's just so good so anyway that's my last moment which i will then kind of go into a little bit more by my throne because i wanted to talk about this song for a little bit of course Um, and you should you did a lot of work i did a lot of work on this and i wanted to talk about this song because this song baffled me and it blew my mind and i have it i have it all written down right here i have everything written down As I'm looking at everything. I got voice messages from you saying, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. Yep. Because I was, I was so blown away by what was happening. He plays a lot with 16th notes hitting things Mm -hmm. on the E of beats. So there, there are a lot of like 16th note pushes and stuff like that. Like the thing that you were talking about with, um, the the groove of of by right. my throne. Right. When he first cut, comes in cut, with the snare cut, and the, doot, yeah. cut, doot, cut, cut, cut. like he's yeah. he's playing a lot of those sixteenth note like accents. That's that's really honestly what it what it should yeah. be is sixteenth note accents. And he's messing around with it on all kinds of different songs on this record. Uh alleviate he's he's doing it on distant bells. He's playing it on, on By My Throne. There there are several different areas where he's messing around with this stuff. And so um I made a map that I'm gonna play of the song. And I'm gonna, I wanna walk people through this because I want people to see how effortlessly technical this band is and how they were able to write a pretty forward, straightforward sounding song into something that had layers beyond belief to me. And so By My Throne is in 1716. It is 17 beats, that is the guitar riff. The very beginning of the song. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 1234567. 1, 1, One, two, three. That is that is the guitar. <laughs> That's the guitar riff. And so I'm gonna walk through this because I wanna I wanna show you this, Drew. Like I know I've already showed you most of this, but I want to tell you about this because I was just this is unbelievable. So I have a click track going that I created. I mapped out the entire song. I'm going to play this. I'm going to talk over it while I'm kind of explaining because I want people to see this. I want to see the, them to see the technicality of this because I loved this so much. So here we go. 17, 16. Can you hear the one hit? Yes. Yep. So the way the board comes in here Okay. I've also mapped out all of the kick and snares. So the way I'm putting this right here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Now I just broke that down to 8 and 9 because it's easier to count um, 17, 8 than 17, 16. Now we're switching to 17. right So he hits that snare in on the one. one. He's got these weird kick drum patterns. R of 1916. Back to the 17. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one, two, three, four. Right? So now we're back into the four, four. So talking through like the seventeen part. Th- this is what I have found. Okay. When in the 17 beats, seven okay, so take 17 16th notes. Just think 17 points, okay? The accent of the guitar riff, okay? So we have, these are the accents of within the 17. The accents within the 17 are every 5th, 4th, 5th, and then 3rd, 16th note. All of this is leading up to the end of the song, right? He's kind of playing this straight through. And this is when we get into the end of the song. The kick drums are being placed. In 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 the last section of the song, the kick drums are being placed with the accent with the five four five three. Right. That right there uh-huh. is the five four five three. Yeah. So what Boyd decides to do is that he starts playing these toms, but he's hitting these accents on the hits of the guitar riff at the very end of the song while playing in the 17. (laughs) So I, I mapped this out, wrote it out, and then played it here so you can hear how he's hitting these accents along with the guitar riff at the very end of the song. So check this out. Yeah, those China hits. Those. Yeah, those little <laughs> king, king. Yeah, I tried to make those little splashes because they sound a little bit easier. He's playing it on like a stack, I think. He's hitting the Oh, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of gives it a China symbol feel, though. Yes. And so he's playing those accents, but then he goes off of it for a little bit. He goes off of that to where he plays then five, four, four, four. And then he goes right back to the five, four, five, three, five, four, five, three. So. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. It's a lot. That's it, a lot to keep track of. It's so much to keep track of. To say the
1: least. Yes. That is, yeah, that's insane. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, like it's still a catchy song. Like you still kind of get into the, the vocals of Einar and everything. And this just kind of adds a really interesting element of, whoa, yeah, this is kind of chaotic and weird underneath, but I'm still following. Still the, following
0: the vocal the, pattern.
1: The, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it's kind of bizarre that's congratulations to them it's technical but very musical and and that's i guess my thesis statement of by my throne and i just wanted to share just to give just an extra edge yeah, of, of what in the world is going on in parts of this record but um was there anything else that you'd like to to talk about or touch on before we before we close i just wanted to add some other person's review uh
1: oh you got to observe the train described observe the train as it sounds like a depressing spectral Christmas song, and I loved that description. Oh my! So gosh. put it on your Christmas playlist. Observe the train <laughs> by pitfalls. <laughs> by pitfalls. Wow. By Leprous on pitfalls. Uh, I thought that was uh, that was hilarious. I was like, wow, it kind of does. I get that. I get the Christmas vibes from that for sure. Bell, for sure. It kind of has a bell. You know, you can see snow falling while you. But they're not distant. No, no, you know no, what
0: I'm saying. No, no, so, no, not
1: the distant bells. Yeah,
0: no, it's not. They're not. It sounds like bells. It's definitely they're not distant, and they certainly don't sound no, foreign to the record. They're, they're so no, um, no, and you wouldn't have red uh, a
1: red sky or anything. No, like that. not
0: during Christmas. No, of course not. Of course not. No,
1: we're talking about Jesus <laughs> by the throne, sitting on the right. hand. Yes, sitting on the right hand <laughs> by my throne. That's amazing, um, and we're below, which, this here oh, on earth. And that, Absolutely. and it uh, ho- hope in that alleviates all of our
0: anxiety. Yes, exactly. So with that being yeah. said, um, I don't lose hope. I don't lo- dude, I how can you lose hope with that? Exactly. That's exactly all I have to say about that. So anyway, oh my goodness. Well, before we tell you what album that we're gonna do next on Prognotes, we would just like to thank you so much for listening to uh, this episode. These are our prognotes for pitfalls. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the episode, maybe learned something new from the episode. If you did, please subscribe and follow us with the link tree in the description. You can find it in the uh, episode's description. Uh, there you can find our Discord community, social media pages, and our Patreon if you'd like to support us monthly and what we do. Also, please don't forget, follow the Spotlight podcast feed. We're interviewing all kinds of new and upcoming and some older progressive rock bands. And so if you're on the hunt, lurking, looking for things to listen to, um, looking for new bands. Uh, that's what that's for. We're trying to help you guys find some newer groups. Of course, we're doing an analysis of albums on this show, but Spotlight is with Rogan interviewing different bands. You guys are able to discover new music, and that's what the Discord's for as well, so we can talk about uh, new progressive rock bands emerging progressive rock bands and um, discover some new stuff that you can enjoy. Um, that's that's our hope, so come and join us. Linktree.com slash prognotes is where you can find all that other stuff. So, um, Drew... Uh, without further ado, what is the next record that we're going to be doing on Frog Notes, episode 54? Hope by Klaatu. Am I pronouncing that right? I believe you are. Or Klaatu? I'm not sure. Klaatu? Klaatu? Klaatu. 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 Something is going to be new for me. Yes, it's going to be an interesting record. We're going back a little bit. We were in 2019. We're going to go back a little bit. We're going to go back to the 70s. So join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of progressive rock. We will see you guys on Discord. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks.